You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. I'm excited about what God has put in my heart to share with you, and I'd love you to turn to your Bible. We're going to look at the book of Luke, and uh, Luke chapter 2, very well-known words. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. This is what the Bible says. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Amazing. I love this passage. I love this incredible story of how baby Jesus was born in a stable, in a manger, in a stable. You see, (coughs) I love it because no matter what your Christmas card shows you, and when you look at some of the Christmas cards and they make that stable look amazing. They make it look pristine. It's clean. It's tidy. The animals do not smell. You know, when you're looking at the Christmas card, you're thinking these are special animals that God has prepared that do not stink of animal, yeah? But that is not the truth. The truth is that God, God, turned up in a manger, in a stable that was dirty, that was a bit smelly, that was just kind of not perfect. And I wanted to communicate today that I love this because I want to say to you that God turns up in the unlikely place. God turns up in the most unlikely place. No one had imagined or expected that God would turn up in a stable like this. And that's exactly where God turned up. I love it. God turns up in the most unlikely place. You see, for your life, for you, this Christmas... I want to speak to your soul and say that God is going to turn up for you in the most unlikely place. You know, maybe you're thinking this Christmas you will have an amazing moment with God. You will have a wonderful, holy and beautiful time. And you're maybe thinking it will be at church. Or maybe you're thinking it's going to be in some kind of spiritual setting. But I want to pray for you that God would turn up for you this Christmas in the most unlikely place. Wow. You see, God turns up in the most unusual and in the most unlikely place. I'm 
I know I've told you some of this before, but I, I, I just find it really, it makes me smile every time I mention it. My wife and me, we, um, we've got two kids, Jordan and Kezia. And Tamsin had done a beautiful thing. My wife had prepared a beautiful meal. She'd got some candles out. She really went for it. She wanted it to be a special meal for us. And uh, she called us all down, and when we came in, she'd put on some Bethel worship music, and that was surrounding the house, and this beautiful smell of the food and the candles, and it looked so lovely. And we all gathered around. We're having this wonderful meal. And then my son, he dissed my daughter. He said something that I didn't like. And I rose up, and I said, do not talk to your sister like that. He looks at me and says, who says? And I said, I say, yeah. And I, maybe, I don't know if I completely, but I kind of got myself across the table, yeah. And I grabbed him by the shirt, yeah. And I said, don't you, you don't talk to her like that. I don't, I was going for it, yeah. And then in my full glory, I'm giving it some, my wife, she starts getting upset and says, you always take her side. You never take his side. Leave him alone. And then as a dad and a husband, then you're all over the place, aren't you? You don't know what you're meant to be doing. You're like, oh, I thought I was doing the right thing. I was protecting my daughter. And then my daughter, she starts crying. Why are you all shouting? And I'm like, we're doing it for you. Yeah, it was chaos, yeah? People are crying, people are shouting. It was horrendous. And in the midst of all of this, then suddenly there's this pause. And as we all paused, Bethel worship music, yeah? Jesus just filtering through the dining room, yeah? And I'll never forget what my wife said. She just turned and says, not now, Jesus, not now. Not now, Jesus, not now. I love that. I'm going to have a Christian conference one day, and that's going to be the title of it, yeah? Not now, Jesus, not now, yeah? See, it's humor in that, but it is interesting that often we kind of see that God and his presence and his wonderful blessing is for a Sunday morning and a beautiful time that we've just had, but actually God wants to turn up in the most unlikely place. He wants to turn up in amongst our struggle and our argument and our problem. He wants to turn up when we're feeling cynical and bitter against our boss and we're speaking against him. And ah, oh, the presence of God. God turns up in the most unlikely place. I, as we were worshiping at the beginning of this service, I felt stirred in my spirit that God just wanted to say to someone in the room that God turns up in those lonely hours, those times somebody, I felt really strongly in my spirit, weeping, sobbing, things are not working out the way you hoped that they would work out, maybe some broken dreams, maybe some tough situation. And at home, you've found yourself sobbing and crying. You found it difficult to stop crying. And there you are in the brokenness and in your weakness and in your devastation. I want to tell you, friend, that God wants to turn up in the most unlikely place. He wants to turn up when you least expected him to be there. 
You see, um, in the 1960s and 1970s, what was quite a common thing was for people to have a front room that no one ever went in except when they had visitors. It was like this really unusual thing that this room was a spotless front room reserved only for visitors. They talk about how they had like crockery that was all in a beautiful cupboard and, and it was in a nice cabinet that was never touched by like the normal family. It was only saved for the visitors. I've heard story of people having cutlery that is only specially for the for the the special guest, yeah? But this is the fun thing. The truth is, is that sometimes we have this sense in which God is kept for special. That God is that visitor. He's, we've got, we put our Sunday best on. We, we do Sunday church and we do it all as a great ritual. He, the visitor, comes. But God doesn't want to come to visit. He wants to live. He wants to be in amongst the backroom stuff. He wants to be amongst the trouble. He wants to be in amongst the chipped crockery. He wants to be in the back kitchen where there's fun and there's laughter and there's a bit of nonsense because God wants to turn up in the most unlikely place. You see, my wife and me have sometimes, we've had this thing where we've actually asked God, we've prayed in the middle of an argument and we've asked God to help us. And that's, that's tough. That's a difficult thing because, you know, I'm thinking, oh no, if God gets involved in this, then maybe God's going to kind of be like, Mark, listen to your wife, she's right. And that is not what I want to hear from the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I'm wanting the Lord to say, Mark, you're not right, but crack on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you see, we want God to be part of every single part of our lives. I, I was in Dallas just, just three or four weeks ago, and, and something that I heard there, it really disturbed me. They were saying that um, the waiters and the waitresses of the restaurants, the time that they like the least, the time where the least amount of tips is handed out and the most amount of abuse is handed out is when churches all pile out and have Sunday dinner in the restaurants around the church. I mean, that is horrendous. Though we're all these Christians that are like, wow, worshiping God and like living for Jesus. And then we go out and we are the worst customers and we are tight with our money and we're quick with our offense it's like, wow, God wants to be involved as much in the way that we deal with the waitress as he does the way we deal with the senior pastor. Is that true? God turns up in the most unlikely place. I love that the stable, it was flawed and messy and dark and it was full of muck. That is where God turned up. And we think about our lives. 
You see, this morning when I'm worshipping God, let me speak Mark Ritchie now. When I'm worshipping God in the car, and oh, it's holy and wonderful, and I'm getting ready for church, and wow, God's there, amazing. But Mark, is God going to be present when, when you're in a few days' time tempted to maybe overindulge a bit and maybe tempted to be a bit mouthy and maybe tempted to be a bit slack with your attitudes. God is as much interested, Mark, in your Wednesday behavior as he is your Sunday behavior. Oh, God turning up in the most unlikely place. I absolutely love this, guys, because I really believe in it. Um, as most of you know, um, you as a church, you support and sponsor me that I'm able to be an evangelist out in Great Britain and also getting opportunities around the world. And if it wasn't for churches like you, I wouldn't be able to take the gospel into these different places. I got an email about nine or ten months ago and um, it was sitting on my desk with a lot of other emails. And all these emails here were from churches that wanted me to go and preach. And then I had this one email that was from a pub in Belfast. And this pub in Belfast was saying, listen, this, we are one of the roughest and toughest pubs. Yeah? And uh, if you come and do your comedy and your message about God, people are going to get involved. Now, when they say people are going to get involved, I don't think they mean shouting out, hallelujah, keep going, Jesus is with you, yeah? I don't think they mean that. I think they're going to get involved in other ways, yeah? And they said it's a tough pub. It's right in the east end of Belfast, but we would love you to come and do your gospel presentation. How many of you in this room know that suddenly all these other emails to nice, lovely churches Oh, I think I, feel, I think I feel the Lord telling me to go to a nice church in Burgess Hill, yeah, where they'll give me quiche and some slower. And uh, I'm not feeling, I'm just not feeling it. I've not, got, I've, not, I've not got a witness in my spirit, yeah. I've not got a witness in my spirit to get up and get shouted at by guys from Belfast. But guess what? Burning inside of me is the sense that just as Jesus was born in a stable, God turns up in the most unlikely place. God wants to be right there in the center of a pub in Belfast. And so I agreed to go. And you know, there were people shouting out and we're doing this humor. When I mentioned Jesus, half the crowd got up and left. And it was like, whoa, and it was all kicking off. But guess what? We had a couple of moments where the presence of God was in that pub in Belfast. God turns up in our muck. He turns out up in our spitting sawdust pub. A lot of you know I'm from Musselburgh, which is just outside Edinburgh. And, and uh, I used to go up to the Edinburgh Fringe every summer and watch comedians and, and watch them talk about all kinds of stuff. And I remember there would often be comedians ripping the name of Jesus to shreds talking about Jesus Christ in horrendous ways and all kinds of humor that was not appropriate and just saying all kinds of stuff, calling Christianity horrendous things. And I remember as a young lad sitting in that room and thinking, one day I'm going to be on that stage and I am going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to lift up his name. 
in the biggest comedy festival in the world, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus. And this summer, I got that opportunity. And there it was in the bullseye right next to the Royal Mile. And people were coming in and, and we had a lot of fun and we had a lot of laughter and it was great. But there were these moments. There was one family sitting there and I could never forget. I thought they were Christians because they were so engaged. And when I was talking about God and his presence and his hope, they were so engaged. And at the end, I was thinking, wow, they're Christians. And I went to talk to them. And I says, oh, what church are you from? And they says, oh, no, we're not from church. We got given a flyer on Princess Street. And we've come along and we've absolutely loved it. And we've connected with the words that you've said. God turns up in the most unlikely place. Hallelujah. You see, not only does God turn up in the most unlikely place, but God turns chaos into peace. I, I love the thought of these shepherds. You know, Bethlehem, it was crazy. It was full. There were crowds everywhere. It was absolutely, because of the census, everybody was there. There was all kinds of stuff going on. And then I love the thought of them kind of navigating their way through that, all that busyness. Um, my wife and me were in York yesterday, and it was so busy. So busy. Everybody was in York yesterday. And it was like those lovely little narrow lanes, and we're all shuffling along, yeah? It's like, oh, isn't York amazing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing I've seen is the back of that guy's head, yeah? I mean, it's like just everyone, excuse me, sorry, oh, we're having a great time, Merry Christmas. And it's like busy and chaos and, ah, oh, and these shepherds, they get through all the noise and the chaos and they get in and wow, the heartbeat of Almighty God in this little baby called Jesus. The heartbeat of God. Imagine like the hush in that stable. She's listening to that tiny little heartbeat. God has come from heaven to earth. Wow. You see, God turns our chaos into peace. I felt so strongly about this next couple of minutes because I feel that there are people in this room and we are, we're full of fear. We're full of fear. We, we couldn't put our hand on our heart and say that we've got peace because we're full of fear. We're being driven by fear. We're like making decisions that are driven by fear. We're speaking out words that is driven by fear. I wanted to say to you today that fear is a terrible driver. Fear is a terrible driver. Fear will take you to places that you did not want to go in your mind. It will take you to dark places that you did never, you never wanted to go there. But fear has taken you there. Fear will take you down roads and take you down lanes that you never wanted to end up going. And ultimately, fear will crash you around your life and you'll be like, ah. You see, I think I'm speaking to someone and you're parenting driven by fear. I know my son a few years ago, he was making some bad decisions and I was fearful. I want him to grow up loving God. I want him to be part of the church. I want him to be doing well. And I was fearful. 
And my wife, she, she was so great because she just came alongside me and she says, Mark, you're speaking out of a place of fear. You're talking, you, you, you're talking about being terrified of doing this and going there. We, we cannot allow fear to drive us as parents. And I, I get the sense that there are other people in the room, and maybe it's that, or maybe you've got some stuff going on in your life right now, and, and fear is the thing that's speaking the loudest. Fear is the thing that's got the driving wheel and it's driving the conversation. It's driving the vocabulary. It's driving the, 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 the belief system. Fear is a terrible driver. But I love what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 John 4:18 that perfect love casts out all fear. I find the Bible amazing because God came as, as love. Let, let, look at these words because they're just so good. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Ah. I really believe that someone in this room today, there's going to be a little defining moment for you where do you know what's going to happen? Is it fear that has been driving maybe huge parts of your life? Love is going to cast out fear, throw it out of the driving seat and allow love to become the driver in your life. Allow no more fear driving. I'm going to allow love to drive. And as a parent, my wife and me, we've allowed love to become the driver when it's dealing with our kids. We're allowing love to be the driver when it comes to thinking about our family's health. We, we let love become the driver when we look at our finances. We allow love to become the driver when we're talking about all the different responsibilities and challenges. I don't want fear to drive anymore. Love casts out fear. <laughs> My wife and me saw a really hilarious thing. We saw um, there was a man driving. He must have been driving pretty badly. And uh, Tamsin and me were just at the spot where we saw the whole thing. And a car at the pool. We saw the car driving and it was not doing well. Whoever was driving it was pretty ropey. And anyway, the car pulls over. And what was hilarious was um, the, the, the wife or the lady in the car got out the passenger seat. And she just got out and she just hoisted the man out the driving seat. Seat. And he went round, he was pretty ashamed, and he went round and sat in the drive, the passenger seat, and the lady took charge. And although it's a funny little daft illustration, you know, love drives out fear. That love, in these next few minutes, we would allow God is love. That he would come, and that going forward, he would foist fear out of the driving seat and that we would move forward. Isn't that an amazing picture? Isn't that incredible to think that to, today you could have the whole thing turned around for you, that you are no longer allowing fear to drive you. You're no longer allowing fear to control you, but you're allowing the love of God to do that. I love that.
God turns chaos into peace. And then finally, I just want to say this, that God turns the world upside down. God turns the world upside down. This little baby Jesus, this little moment in the stable was God turning the whole world upside down. That God was coming to earth. John Stott, an amazing theologian, said these words, brilliant words. He says, we put ourselves where only God deserves to be. That's in charge of our lives. We put ourselves in charge of our lives, and yet that's where God deserves to be. Whilst God puts himself where we deserve to be, and that is being punished on the cross. God, he deserves to be leading our lives, but we put ourselves there. And the place that we should be, which has been punished on the cross, God took our place. Oh, that little baby Jesus turned the world upside down. Oh, I love the thought that everything was changed. Everything was different. Oh, praise God for that tiny little baby in that little stable because suddenly the whole government was turned around. God turned the world upside down. I'm sure, like me, I'm, I'm not going to make any kind of political statement here, but I'm sure, like me, a lot of us have watched on and we've seen what appears and feels like a bit of a chaotic week in politics. And Prime Minister, people saying they want to throw her out, and votes happening, and Brexit, and oh, it just seems so chaotic, and it seems so unnerving, and people are really getting kind of upset, and obviously so. But friend, you know, I want to tell you that it's not politics that turns the world upside down. God turns the world upside down. He can change absolutely everything. He can turn this nation of Britain around. That no longer are we a country that's just self-indulgent and looking after its own interests. But here I am saying over this microphone that God can turn this country upside down. That once again we could send missionaries all over the world and see people rescued from hell. That once again we could see even the city of Coventry that God would turn it upside down. Wow. And God would turn the housing estates around this area. Wow. When I was driving in today into Coventry, guess what? I came a slightly different way. I went past Northampton and I came into Coventry and I prayed for this great city and I said, God, would you turn this city upside down? Oh, so many people this Christmas are going to be talking about what they want for Christmas, their desires, their indulgences. 
and here God's looking at you and asking if you would be a revolutionary generation, a revolutionary army, that we would not be about what we desire and what we want and our list for Christmas, but actually that we would be subservient hearts that would bow before God and say, God, what do you want? We put our own priorities and our own thoughts aside and say, God, what is it that you want for my life? Wow, God turns everything upside down. As the band come and help me, I wanted to share with you something that has been burning in my heart all this year. I've, I've said that so many places, but it's burning inside me. A, a little while ago, my, my son, uh, he came into the, our front room and he found me weeping and sobbing on the floor. I was so upset. He says, Dad, Dad, what, what's happening? What, what are you doing? What's up? And I showed him what I'd been watching. And it was a video that had been put together um, about Grenfell Tower. You know, the tower where the fire happened and, and, and many people lost their lives in a horrendous situation. And the video focused in on this little group, a little huddle of people. And they'd got the survival blankets on, those foil blankets, and they were agitated, and they were speaking quickly, and they were so animated. And it was obvious that they had just been rescued. And they were talking to each other about how the firemen came in and how the rescue services had come in. And they were... And then the camera just pulled back. And this little huddle, you could see in the background that the building was still burning. The flats were still on fire. People were still running away from the flats. And I'm watching, and then I see this guy in the middle of this huddle. Suddenly he stands up, and he pulls off the survival blanket, and he throws it down. And he starts running towards the building. Everyone else is going the other way, but he's running towards the building. Ha, huh. a few minutes later, there he is with a fireman helping an old lady out the building. And when he got asked what that was all about, he said this. He said, I realized that I have been rescued to see others rescued. Oh, friends, I go around the world speaking to churches and sometimes I go to churches and they're in their little huddle. They're in their little huddle. They're all happy and comfortable enjoying their stories of how they were rescued. People giving testimony of how they were saved 35 years ago. Oh, people giving lovely little songs, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. This is when I was rescued. And they've got their little survival blankets on, clinging on calling for Jesus to come through the clouds to take them away from this big bad world 
But friends, the building is still burning. Our nation is still broken and ruined and devastated. People are still going to hell. People are still losing their lives. Brokenness. Think of the people that got up this morning in Coventry with their lives shattered and broken and damaged. I'm speaking to your soul that maybe you will be someone who would stand up. That we would take the survival blanket off. And that we would say, I am rescued to see others rescued. That I am not about just being in a nice little huddle and saying, well, it's okay for me and my family. But we want to see our street, our school. We want to see our community rescued in the name of Jesus. We want to see rescue come to the city of Coventry. We want to see people who are not yet in these seats sitting on them and finding fulfillment in God. Oh, even this Christmas, even the services happening this afternoon and this evening, next week, you could be texting. You could get your people here and get them sitting under the Word of God. Get them sitting in the presence of God and see rescue come to a broken generation. Oh, church, that we would stand up. That we would run to the broken generation. Hallelujah. Maybe we could bow our heads in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that there are some amongst us and you have been driven by fear. Fear makes a terrible driver. And you know when I was talking earlier, you were like, oh, that's me. Mark, that is me. I don't know what decisions you're making and what's going on in your life, but fear is driving you. And what I'm simply going to do is I'm going to count to three and on three. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. And I'm just going to pray a prayer of peace over you today. Because we believe perfect love casts out fear. Hallelujah. One, two, three. Amazing. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God. Oh God. Father, there are people all over this building, wonderful and great people. Fear is bullying them. Fear is driving them. We pray in this presence of God right now, this wonderful, sweet, beautiful presence of God. We pray in the name of Jesus that fear would not longer be the driver. He would be hoisted out of his seat. He would be pushed out of the driving seat. And that perfect love, that your love, God, you, God, would become the driver, Father, that you would take the steering wheel that God you would be the one that would lead the way and that God that fear would be thrown out the car I pray peace peace that passes all understanding rest on your head rest on your head hallelujah 
Hallelujah. Rest on your head in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God. Oh God. We live for you. Well, before I hand back to the leaders church, I wonder if you could just join us and stand with us. We're just going to stand in the presence of God for a moment. You know that I love the leaders here. You know that Martin and Esther are my friends. And I love this church. And I want to pray a prayer, a passionate prayer, that we would continue to be a rescuing, rescuing church. That we would not just sit back on the blessing that God has given you guys so abundant that God is blessing, but that we would not just be about staying in a huddle, but we would be a rescue in church, that we would see housing estates turned around. If you feel comfortable, I wonder if you could raise your hands to heaven. I wonder if you could reach up high because I'm praying a prayer. I'm saying, holy God, I'm saying, oh God, that we would, you would stir us up, that you would stir our souls, God, that you would stir our spirits, oh God, that we would be a church, oh God, that would be, oh, desperate to see a generation rescued, that we would be about seeing children rescued, about seeing young people rescued, about seeing schools turned around, about seeing pubs turned around, about seeing Coventry turned around in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, oh, Spirit of the living God, that you would come and that you, oh God, would give us courage to go against the flow, to go against where everyone else is going and go to the broken and the devastated and the ruined in Jesus.